This episode is brought to you by Gin & Co, author website design specialists. If you want a beautiful and functional website to promote your books and brand, reach out to Gin today. His work includes tailored, expertly designed, professional author websites. I finally have a website I'm proud to share. And we've got a special offer for Words and Nerds listeners. Reach out today and get a free domain name and website hosting for the first year. You can get their website essentials package, includes domain name, website hosting, backup and security, free for the first year with any website purchase. This is valued at $330 a year. Choose a website designed to bring your author brand to life. You can find more details about this special offer at ginand.co forward slash words and nerds. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm Danny V, podcast host and children's author. I also do some work in publishing in acquisitions and publicity. As we hurdle towards 1 million plays, we'll continue to provide you with the conversational, vulnerable, honest, and fun chats with your favorite authors across all genres. Check out our takeover episodes, usually released on a Friday, and our spin-offs released during the month. Thank you for being here, being part of the journey, and supporting Aussie creatives. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I welcome Lucy Hawkins, a writer and an artist who has studied journalism and has worked at Cosmopolitan Magazine and the London Paper. Today, we're going to talk about her novel, The Salvages Quest. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. Now, the first question I always ask my authors and they all dislike it because it's a hard task to put an entire book into, you know, a 20 second elevator pitch. So give um, us your elevator pitch. Okay, here goes. Well, The Salvages Quest is middle grade fiction uh, for nine to 12 year olds. And it's the story of two sisters from Healesville, Victoria, who rescue endangered animals on Earth and take them to another planet where woolly mammoth roam and children make the rules. That was actually a very good elevator pitch because, Not you know, well. this book has a lot in it. So for you to be able to get that down, filter that down, very impressive. Uh, Hillsville, I visited Hillsville recently. Uh, tell me about why that was the setting for this book. Well, it's where I live with my two daughters and they say write about what you know. Uh, and the the born was uh, the book was born out of the um, bushfires in 2019 and 2020, and we were here, and it didn't get close, but it felt very real to us. And um, Hillsville has uh, had some run-ins with bushfires in the past, and it's it's beautiful out here. Um, it is. And so I thought that I would shine a light on the local area and the local kids who have read it are just amazed that <laughs> little town is is on the map that they're reading about heroes who live, their kids just like them. I love that. <laughs> That's really cool. So then you wrote about a place that you knew well, and I'm assuming a place that you didn't know well. So how did you balance that? Haven't done a great deal of space travel. Um, <laughs> But I just, I love the idea of just scooping up all these animals that needed help. And I loved the idea of, I like, I wanted to investigate if we could do it differently, if we could almost start again with a planet. Mm. Um, and, and knowing that children are so passionate about animals, um, how would they do it? How would they run a planet? 
so I like the idea of taking animals that needed help and saving them and then taking them to a place that was solely about animals, that they they were the priority um, uh, because they, they're sort of, they come second here mm. and obviously they don't have a voice. So giving them a voice. So these two sisters are able to speak to the animals um, and then they can tell their story, uh, why they're endangered, why they're extinct, what the hurdles that they face are day to day and uh, sort of an empathetic view for, for the, the animal's narrative. Mm. it's really interesting when you say just start again you know we've just destroyed earth start again and i feel like that's what they're trying to do with mars right i know but it's really interesting because you wonder what would happen again i mean humans being humans would we be making the same mistakes or would we do something different so it's a really interesting question absolutely so the idea of the book is that when the, the kids of this council of planet beatrice they are the ones in charge making the rules and then when they get to the age of 17 um, they have to step down and the kids in the book say it's because children sort of know what's important and adults sometimes forget and I think that we my daughter and I went to the school strike for climate last week in the city um, and it was wonderful seeing kids being so passionate about the planet and the environment and um, and having a voice and and seeing them sort of buzz off each other thinking okay, our opinion matters here. Uh, and I, I sort of get the feeling that when when we're kids and when some of us go to university and we leave university and we're very kind of lefty, you know, liberal-minded and we want to save the planet and help people and then it sort of gets trampled out of us the older that we get and then we get, not all of us, but some of us get a bit jaded by it and a little perhaps more self-centred. And uh, and so I like the idea of the focus being on the kids. And then when they got to 17, okay, which is still obviously very young, but but to stand down and to just keep that young blood, keep that energy, keep those priorities, that big heart, you know, let's do the right thing here. Um, so that was the idea. Mm-hmm. No, and it's, it rings so true because I've got you know kids myself in primary school, and that is a priority for them. You know, they're learning about all that stuff at school, and that is a priority. And it's interesting how you say that the kids have that, and then unfortunately sometimes um, we lose that as we get older. So I like that um, reimagining, particularly for middle grade kids, because they're in that you know, age where they're about to sort of become older, and then you know what decision are they going to make about their beliefs and their values? So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, there was there's been some research in the States recently about um, teens and uh, kind of climate depression, sort of Mm -hmm. that feeling that what's the point? Um, Do they even have a future? Um, And so I think the climate strike was just wonderful to for, for children who children and young adults who want to meet other kids that feel the same way as they do to know that they're not alone in this. And it was really powerful listening to them shouting into loudspeakers and into being so articulate and to having done their research and to feel that uh, that they actually have a shot at making a, a difference. It was it was lovely to behold. But simply writing the book, I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to um, get on a bandwagon. I just wanted a more subtle approach to it of saying why various animals have become extinct 
why some animals are endangered, the reasons behind it. And it's not it's not a um, it's not a climate change rally. I do say how the climate has always changed. There have been, I think, eight um, ice ages and then warmer periods over the last 800,000 years. So it is something that happens. But at the moment, it's being exacerbated by uh, by humans burning fossil fuels. Um, and these are sort of the facts and what can we do about them? But without it being a disastrous, the end is nigh um, doom and gloom piece. Mm, it's interesting what you say about climate depression, because I, I've heard of the term climate anxiety, where mm. you're sort of nervous about, um, you know, the future, but climate depression almost is that, as you alluded to, the giving up, the there's nothing yeah. I can do, the impending doom. So that's really interesting. Yeah, it is. And it's it makes sense, doesn't it? Like if we don't think that uh, that there is a future, well, what is the point? Um, so I think how we phrase it all, I wrote an article recently for Kidopedia about how to talk to your kids about cli- the climate crisis. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And I spoke to loads of friends about how they talk to uh, their kids about the subject and there was a range a range of information was in past but the the common denominator was that we have to speak with hope that look this is happening but this is what we can do to to change it to slow it down to stop it and it really sort of started with just looking after your own backyard like you're not going to just throw litter out in your in your garden so don't do it on the street and why because animals could eat it and then they could get hurt and we wouldn't want to do that or it could end up in the sea and then um affect sea life and why are we not using too much paper we're trying to use recycled paper because we'll have to cut down trees and then they won't be able to soak up all the carbon dioxide in the air um and then animals will lose their habitat and just sort of making it giving an explanation because I think a lot of adults don't really understand the big picture and if you sort of simplify it to we wouldn't treat our pets or our garden like that then uh, it, it feels more tangible and achievable to to treat the planet well and for us all to have a a nice future mm. and just the way you're saying that everything's linked you know, the paper and the trees and the habitats and like, you know, yeah. all the things we do are linked. And so even when you do those things in your backyard or in your community, they can still have make quite a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And it's lovely living in a little community like Hillsville because um, like I, I don't know if it's the same everywhere, but our kinder where my little one goes, they they compost, they have chooks. And if there's a surplus of eggs, then they give them off them to the local community and my kids wouldn't dream about littering. Um, you know, they they turn lights off as they leave room, oftentimes with me still in the room. <laughs> well <laughs> trained. Yeah. <laughs> Bless them. So it's just part of their culture and um mm. and part of this small community. And I think um I think that if we could just join the dots on all the little communities all all doing these things, then the majority of the world wants 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 a, a greener happier healthier planet and um, so baby steps can mm. do a lot yeah feels like baby steps are increasingly not becoming enough though doesn't it no I know <laughs> that's really where the depression lies and that's when things like climate strikes and rallies can help because um 
my my daughter that I took is only six and so it, it did start to get a little bit heated and I thought right that's probably time to to leave the city but then we watched it at the news and she was just amazed that she had been a part of something <laughs> yeah they, you know they walked to to the office of the posted post-it notes of um, now, you did promise that you wouldn't um, continue with fossil fuels. So uh, how are we doing with that? It felt like, oh, go them. They're, they're holding the powers, um, making them accountable. And I, I thought it was just brilliant to watch. Mm, I love all of that. And I love speaking about it with hope. I think that's really important um, yeah. when we speak to our kids about anything. Now, I love uh, Planet Beatrice, where woolly mammoths roam and children make the rules. And you talked a little bit about how this idea developed. Um, I imagine kids that read it love the fact that they're in charge. And who doesn't love a woolly mammoth? Tell us about these ideas. Who doesn't? Uh, yeah, they're, um, they're, they're mystical, magical creatures, mm. aren't they? Um, yeah, so I thought, so this is the first in a series, and I thought with each book I would highlight one animal who has become extinct mm-hmm. and one animal that's endangered rather than just um, drown us all in information. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought, well, I had to start with the woolly mammoth, um, uh, which became extinct about 4,000 years ago. But in my my book, they were rescued and they here they are, herds of them um, in the tundra on this planet. Uh, and they're, yeah, they're, they were beautiful animals. Um, essentially, there was an ice age and then temperatures rose uh, and there was flooding and their vegetation were boom disappeared and and they were hunted and that was the end of them um and so I didn't I didn't know if kids knew too much about that and so I I touch on it I touch on the reasons why but then they they are still existing in this planet so it's it's not it's not a doom and gloom piece but of course the reality is they don't exist anymore <laughs> and then the, the second part of the story was the bushfires in Australia and just the level of devastation I think there was something like three billion animals died wow yeah I mean that's just astronomical and so by making that connection I think it makes it quite real for kids to see you know unless unless we get a grip um we could lose we could lose animals that we have now Absolutely. And I really like how you've got all of that real life stuff of climate change and, you know, extinction of animals, endangered animals, bushfires, all of those things. And then you've actually juxtaposed it with a bit of outer space and a bit of magic. What was the thinking there? Um, Well, because for my research, there were a lot of fact based books on this is what we can do to to help the planet. Um, But from my own children's experience, you know, things don't necessarily land when they're delivered in an educational way. So I wanted to make it a fantasy. I wanted it to make it fun, um, adventure, um, like a real, an, an old school classic, like a Jules Verne, real adventure. Um, anything can happen. Anything's possible. Just get that imagination um, going. Uh and so, yeah, so I decided to put it in this format of, you know, there's there's an old galleon pirate ship that they fly around on and there's links to pirates and there's there's games swinging through rainforests and it's like it's like Pirates of the Caribbean um, meets Planet of the Apes. It's, you know, it's all that 
old school, great imagination stuff, um, but with some some little sneaky facts snuck in there <laughs> so that it's more palatable. Mm, absolutely. And, and a reflection of, of current society too. Hmm. Um, so what drew you to the fantasy genre? I know, you know, you just said that about, you know, writing it and having that old school element, but there's something a bit special about fantasy and, hmm. you know, some people love it and some people can't really get into it. So what is it for you that you love about the fantasy genre? Well, I think, um, I, I grew up on, uh, in, in the country, um, in England with an Australian mother and an English father and I was an only child and my parents were always at work and so it was just down to me and my imagination and so I it was a different time obviously but I um, I just ran wild and, and I didn't come home until mum had this big clanging bell and I would hear it across fields and forests and that's when I knew I had to come back and so it was my I didn't you know, I did wasn't really uh, furnished with toys or, um, you know, I wasn't deprived at all, but it was all down to me to make up my amusement. And so, uh, yeah, my friends were um, <laughs> imaginary to some extent <laughs> and um, and nature and animals and building tree houses and um, swimming in rivers and all that, all that kind of old school stuff, really. And so that has always appealed um, and I've always been a big reader and uh, having kids and reading to them every night um, is just a joy because I don't think I ever really grew up to some extent. My husband will certainly agree with that. Um, and then to be able to to read and live out these fantasies and these these imaginative games with my kids. That's my you know, that's my sense of humor. That's my happy place. That's um yeah that that's the world that I kind of live in so I thought I'd better put some of it down on paper mm, it's so interesting that time of freedom in childhood that I feel like our kids don't get I know <laughs> I know depressing, and I so want them to but yeah it's a I'm different not world isn't it yeah, yeah it's only one that. generation later but it's different world. I love how you had the clanging bells whereas with me yeah. I, was, I, I was an only child too actually oh. uh, I still am and yeah. um, <laughs> And um, it was the street lights for me. Like my parents were a little bit lex. We didn't live in the country. We lived in a suburb. So I didn't have that much freedom, but I had enough. Yeah. And it was, you know, when those street lights come on, you made to make sure yeah. you're, you're cycling home. Yeah. Oh, God, getting the bikes out. Was yeah. I so want that for my kids. Mm. So want it. Do you remember, I just remember the freedom, you know, of that time in late 80s, 90s, where you could just take your bike and just go yeah. for a ride and, you know, Absolutely. and just, be free and yeah. I would never let my kids do that now. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't. I really want to. And I'm trying to get the balance. I don't know whether I've just. I know. I know. Oh. I don't know what the balance is. I, I, I go with them. They're a little bit little. They're a little bit little though now. Like they're not. Yeah, mine are too small. But when they're older, I think that I'm just going to get some excellent disguises and just follow them. <laughs> I'm sure I, you could track them by then on some. Well, yeah, I thought. <laughs> I even spoke to um, a friend of mine who's a detective and said, "Now, legally, can I?" <laughs> And, them, and they don't know. But then what about they, a drone? You could just get a drone that follows them. God, no, I don't you know, I kind of need to work. Um, I'll figure something out because I think that, that, as you say, that freedom. But it's strange, isn't it? We grew up with freedom and yet we don't bring up our children like that. It's, that's always 
blown my mind. I know. And surely bad things happened even when we were kids. So <laughs> we just got away with it. But Interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah I can't let them just say, um, I'll ring a bell and come. <laughs> That would work with mine. No. <laughs> what bell? Yeah. <laughs> a question I do like to ask all the creatives that come on is why do you write? Oh, God, I love it so much. I am also an artist, and that is just agonizing torture. I don't know why I put myself through it, <laughs> especially when I'm painting portraits and just one wrong stroke and the lightness is gone. It's just, there's no paint. Wow. But with writing, um, well, you can just cut and paste and delete and go over it and over it and over it again until until you're so happy with every line and it's cohesive and it's an outlay for all the stuff that goes on in your head and and uh, and the banter. I love writing dialogue and I love you know kids being a bit cheeky and. I, yeah, writing is my happy place. The, the the worst thing about writing is that I never get to it. Like my laptop is is in my uh, bedroom, but well, you'll know as a mum working, and it's impossible. So, um, yeah, I I would be lost without writing. Mm. It's, it's happy place. I figured out, you know, with all that busyness that you speak of, that um, writing in the cracks of time is what. I yeah. had to sort of do and yeah. some of that time is you know school pickups or drop-offs particularly yeah. particularly pickups and I've gotten to just writing on my phone in notes because yeah I'm sitting there anyway and I've got 20 minutes or whatever it is that I may as well do something productive <laughs> absolutely but well I mean hats off to you I can only tap with one thumb <laughs> double <laughs> so it takes me forever to try and get my thoughts out there but yeah you're right as in as and when you can when they've gone to bed if they go to mm. sleep ever um and then my husband did um he he was so uh, this was born out of, of lockdown really the fires leading up to covid and then because he couldn't go to work he was at home and I had a baby mm -hmm. um, she was born on the first day of of the the first lockdown wow because he was home in between breastfeeding and in between um, naps and whatnot, I just went for it. And uh, I think I got, yeah, I just, I just bashed it out solidly. Mm -hmm. um, so lockdown was good in that respect, um, despite having a newborn and a toddler. <laughs> I, I was more productive than I, than I certainly am now. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? It's funny when you, um, I always think of all the books I could have written before children. And I just had so much time that I didn't know what to do with. What are we doing? <laughs> and now that you've got zero time, you actually find time to do it somehow I don't know yeah it's yeah, how it works. yeah, yeah. it's yeah. the strange uh effect of time when you have none you find more <laughs> I know and I noticed that with writing it's like time just disappears mm. it, like hours go by in a in the blink of an eye and you know other tasks that I have to do just stretch on endlessly so it, that's probably a sign that, that, that you're really enjoying yourself when it just whips by like that. Yeah, that flow. You can't beat that flow. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting to me about your book and where it came from. I think that's really interesting and, you know, especially really important um, reflecting our society, you know, and I think that's really important for our kids. I know my kids are in primary school and they have lots of questions about these things. So I like how they can read about that in you know, in a way that a genre that is not confronting and in a way that is hopeful because um, you're right, we do need to approach all those conversations like that. So yeah. thank and you so much. Pleasure. Yeah. And a bit of yeah, a bit of fun, a bit of magic and a bit of outer space. You can't beat that. <laughs> <laughs> so.
voice. Thank you.